Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an exciting new episode of The Worst Idea of All Time. I've got a big empty seat here where Guy Montgomery sometimes is. He's in his home, surrounded by plants and curtains. Yep, you've you've analysed my frame within an inch of itself, Tim. There's a plant here, probably the least happy plant in the house. I've put a lot of time and energy oh. into repotting... Um, and really trying to, you know, trying to work on the the health of some of our houseplants. This one in the bedroom, a little neglected, truth be told. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry the to block, hear that. That's no a, good. Well, you know, I, I probably shouldn't talk bad about it right next to it. It's 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 a fighter, and there's hope for it yet. The blind, very functional blind, I tell you. Um, there's keeps... those studies where they've got like monks to go into a, a greenhouse full of plants and like send them positive vibes and they, they thrive so maybe we shouldn't talk shit about the plant next to the plant oh look it's a beautiful plant and it's been in chelsea's life longer than i have so i must um show deference and respect to the plant how i mean you know i can see you've got you've got the empty chair next to you but you've got a mug of something hot you've got a notebook you've got a water bottle rocking a my life Got so many notes, Guy, because you and I have watched Tokyo Drift for the first time ever. Boy, what a feeling. I know, and it's what quite a movie. It's quite exciting to not know how we respectively feel about it. Obviously, it's always exciting when you whip the top off a brand new installment in the Fast franchise. And this one, to me, I've had to do a bit of extracurricular reading, but it feels a bit like a skeleton key for the for the entire um season. It's um Tell me through your process of extracurricular research. I'm interested in this. Well, it's just, it's one of those ones. The first thing I want to know is what, what became of Lucas Black, the um, the star. You know, his, oh, yes. His username Sean. Is, is Bama Boy. Sean. The, um, <laughs> that really stuck out to me too. What does Bama Boy mean? He's from Alabama. I think it's just like... A, oh, of course. It's just a nice URL name, you know. But uh, I was like, um, I, j- sorry to skip ahead, but just to let all our listeners in, there is a scene where 
Sean, who we've been calling Texas this whole time, but I insisted on taking some notes on people's names. Main character's name is Sean. He's got a southern drawl. It's from Alabama. He's in a classroom situation in Tokyo, Japan, where he's got an instant messenger up, and his user handle is Bama Boy. And it stays, it, it jumps off the screen for some reason. I think it's, it feels like a relic of a bygone era, which is actually interesting um, to the point I'll raise, which is where this film falls in the canon of Fast and the Furious um, because the tech feels old, because it is old, but because of the way they've retrofitted this film into the rest of the franchise, you know, we had to believe it's in the thriving cultural tech metropolis of tokyo set i think in like the mid to late 2000s and everyone's rocking everyone is rocking the original camera phones the flip top camera phones with the grainy ass cameras but that's by the by i wanted to know more about lucas black and uh it looks like you know because this would have been a big break for him he's the star of his own fast and furious film it's um truth be told i don't think he's probably got the necessity charisma to carry it but it's a it's a tidy little film i really liked it it was stripped down to its parts you know we just had a chassis some wheels an engine and a seat it felt like i was um you know really watching this from the the factory floor of a a high-end mechanics and uh he's mostly since this movie been christian more christian than actor it would be fair to say how do you mean like in christian movies like god films not even really christian movies just like from what i could find of his public persona his wikipedia page just generally speaking you know this should have been an access way to being a um, big star he, he was on ncis an iteration of ncis he's since stopped doing that he's got a youtube channel which largely focuses on hunting and fishing he's got a family awesome and he's just a good christian lad but um he's also like he, I don't know. I think he's 40 now, which seems young because in this movie, he seems like a 40 year old pretending to be a high school student. A hundred percent. Can I just dig into this a little bit? Because do you think he left the Hollywood life? Because after finishing this film, I was like, oh my God, it is amazing that the franchise picked the wrong dude. Like they put every, Sean was the main guy of this movie. He's supposed to be the star and then it felt like they got to the end and realized they had fucked up. So they had to figure out a really crazy way of bringing Han back into future Fast and Furious movies by just sending us on this roller coaster of a timeline that exists after Tokyo Drift. And we barely see Lucas Black, aka Sean, no, aka yeah. Bama Boy, ever again. We don't, we get, uh, the next time we see him is, oh, he's, we see him briefly, I think, in F7. We see Dom, in like a flashback, we see Dom talking to him or when Dom meets him. Dom makes a, credit, a cameo yep. at the very end of this movie. This movie, so I, I reviewed it on Letterboxd and I, you know, nearly every Fast and Furious movie I've reviewed on Letterboxd, I've been doing the same gag, which is I'll watch F6 and I'll say, helps introduce, introduce us to a lot of the characters we know and love in F7 and so on and so forth. And I just reached my wits end with understanding the the movies. And I wrote, um, I cannot for the life of me get my head around the chronology of this franchise. And someone, some handy person just wrote, one, two, four, five, six, seven, eight, three, nine, ten. So <laughs> th- this, is a, this is a movie that was released in 2006. And due to some jiggery-pokery and storytelling, it then is, it takes place at some point between 2017 
and 2021. So um, that's like... Really? Yes. So in terms of the chronology of the franchise... You know, you've just got to you've just got to gloss over the um, technological challenges associated with believing that to be true. But in the world of the franchise, this movie exists between eight and nine. Uh, if I, if we are to believe this um, letterboxed user, I we have had this conversation so many times this season, guy. I knew that, but what I'm surprised by is I kind of thought they had just they had pushed everything back so that this movie could still have existed in the present of which it was filmed. So this movie came out in what? Oh, uh, 06, I think. Later? 06, right? So I just thought they would use that as an anchor point, And then because it comes much later, they say, okay, so that means four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, sorry, four, four to seven happen in like, you know, pre 2006. But no, that's just the assumption I made of how they solved this. No, because look at all the shit they use in those movies. Like all the, if you think well, about look at all, the terrible phones they use in this one. Yeah, so that's not a guide. So like, in in because you know in the in this movie, it's it also is crazy to see like the original quote to, that to me is a flashback to the reference to a quote. So in F nine, I'm pretty sure when they're problem solving for where Han might be, I think it's Letty and Mia. And Dom finds the postcard from Mexico and he's like, Mexico. And then I think Letty's like, Han always said um, Tokyo was his Mexico. And then in this movie, you've got Han, who this is his, he's, he's being introduced to the franchise here. He is fucking hitting it out of the park. For the absence of, um, of charisma, I feel like that Lucas Black has, uh, Han is just like, he's so alluring. There's a really lovely element of mystery. He's 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 just fantastic, and they're looking over, like they're looking over the Shibuya Crossing, the, the like the heavily pedestrianized central area of Tokyo. They're looking over a rooftop green painted football field, like a you know like a, fo- a foosball field. And Bow Wow's actually got some pretty mean um like trick stick moves. And Han is like Han says he says you know those old westerns like you know Lucas Black or Sean is it is saying what's the fucking deal man what are you what's up with you and he's saying. You know those old westerns that cowboys make a run for the border? This is my Mexico. And so he has, inside of the chronology of this franchise, this is why I think of it as a skeleton key, they've gotten away with the Rio heist. So he's taken the money that they stole when he was part of that pull-together crew in Rio de Janeiro, and he's, he's set himself up in Tokyo. And inside right. of this... And so, so that's all happened. And so, inside of this movie, also, it's cra- it's crazy that he gets killed in this movie. Like you can almost see that they don't. You can see all the reasons that they had to retrofit nobody, bringing him back, and like Statham sort of being involved in the setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what I'm saying. They picked the wrong guy. They absolutely backed the wrong horse. And it's it's and it's actually, I think, inside of the the fandom of the universe, it's kind of, it's like a it's a neat novelty. Like F nine, they basically threw everything out the window. And they got back Bow Wow. They got back Texas, or you know, Sean Lucas Black. And they got back. I can't actually remember the guy's name, but the um, he's sort of he's interesting. He's an interesting character. The guy. Wait, who? He, he's a real big actor. He he's working on the rockets with them in Germany in F nine, 
He's got like yeah. a, a... Oh, big... that guy who's in this as well. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't remember his name. So he's brought... barely in this though. He doesn't get to do... No, nah, but he's, he's he's sort of got the same acting technique. And he's like, everyone else has aged in between the movies and he's kind of got the same energy going. Han's pretty... T- like, in terms of just look, Han's barely aged a day throughout the, the franchise. Yeah. It's I just, crazy seeing him in honestly, such an old film look I'm, the same. I, I get the sense you enjoyed it too. I feel um, as someone... And entirely by our own hand, who has been um, performing like really sludgy mental gymnastics this entire season, I feel like I'm inching closer to some semblance of understanding as to how <laughs> it's like I've been doing a jigsaw and I've got like uh, the box in front of me. I can see the jigsaw I'm meant to make. Actually, better yet, maybe it's a uh, wasgage. You know those those wacky backwards jigsaws. How do they work? So there's a picture of there's a picture on the box, and you're not you're not making that picture. You're making like something that either precedes or follows that picture. So it could be like uh, on the box, it might be like a picture of a scenic, you know, day at the beach. And then when you start doing the puzzle, it's got a lot of the same characters and objects, except they're all splayed everywhere because there's a big tidal wave coming into the beach, and so it's people running all over. So it's like a it's like a backwards jigsaw. So this, to me, feels like I've been doing, you know, and this is, I accept partial responsibility alongside you for creating this problem. I've been doing a wasgage, and I've been looking at the puzzle thinking, why the fuck would anyone make the puzzle this way? Like, there are puzzles, you know, where you can just do what's on the box, and it's a much Mm. more straightforward and enjoyable puzzle experience. And so I've got all these different pieces, and I I can't figure out how they go together. And then this movie, to me, is the central piece that I put down, and it's got, let's say six other six connection points and each connection point is one of the other movies we've seen so far and they all just sort of slot in and i look at it and i think oh you know it just i just feel a little bit closer to a man with his feet on the ground and his head in the game could i say this watch was the first time it felt to me like we might be the only ones watching this franchise correctly oh wow like we have actually stumbled across a more useful way to go through this journey and it's taken uh five movies to get here but we're here now mm-hmm. and this, suddenly second it six. Makes this is the seventh sense. one we've watched oh this is the seventh gotcha gotcha and i mean my mind keeps going to 10 as well i'm like what's going on with 10 what happens in 10 let me just space what? nine guy i know but here's here's the thing Ten, ten, I mean, I know that canonically this comes between eight and nine, but the the, the strength of this movie, I think, is the um, it's the it's the it's got a lightness of touch, you know, and it's it's not packed out with all of the all stars. It's not packed out with your Fast and the Furious heavy hitters, the Harlem Globetrotters of the franchise, but it's a functional story. It's really tidy, you know. Like, all right. It, Speaking of. Should we do something that we haven't done, I feel like, in a really long time, which is explain the plot of the movie that we just watched? Yeah. Who wants to front foot it? Okay. I think let's take turns, but I'll maybe kick us off. I can't remember the exact first scene. I did. I wrote a lot of notes, so maybe I've got some stuff in here. The to, first scene um, is iconic. Oh, okay. We'll get, go on then. <laughs> well, it's... it's uh, I keep wanting to call him Lucas Black, but his name's Sean, you tell me. So Sean, 
this overgrown uh, sort of straight A engineering style high school student. He goes to a football obsessed high school. I'm pretty sure in Arizona. And uh, the jock, the sort of, I assume he's the quarterback. He's got a beautiful girlfriend and Sean's just, he loves cars. He's trying to keep a low profile. He's going to his hey. car. Do, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Do you know who that guy is? Did you not watch um, Home Improvement when you were a I, kid? I wondered that. Was that the guy? It's the fuck. It's the fucking guy. It's the guy who's not Jonathan Taylor Thomas. That is. It's cr- the older one. That's crazy. I thought it looked well, like, like I him. didn't Google it, but that's him. Energetically, that's, that, it's, it's got to be him. It looks energetically. It's exactly the same guy. Oh, dude, it is. I just did a cursory glance. It is the guy. Do you know? I was like, this. You know, I was like, there's no way. But you knew. You've got this thing in you. You just knew. During during this um, sequence, by the way, we were getting introduced to all the context of what this high school is all about. Um, boy, did my anus pucker up at one of the opening shots of a pinata, which is just a Native American being oh, smashed yeah. with sticks by a bunch of all, you know, all American, all white bread quarterbacks. White Americans. It's a... Uh, it's, it's a relic from the past, both inside of the movie and I'd say inside of um, high school sports in America. I would like to think. Hopefully. It's like, I, I assume it's the it's the emblem of the, you know, whatever nemesis school they're playing in football that weekend. But the whole football culture of the school gets sidelined because Sean's going to his car and when he's getting into it and the car next to it, the sort of beautiful Viper or some sort of, you know, muscle car, there's a... Um, you know, I'd assume the prom queen type figure of the school who's doing a, she's painting her nails or something and it's her boyfriend's car and he's like, hey, how are you doing? You know, and she's like, oh, hi. And it's, it's a, they're, they're a little flirty. You know, there's nothing untoward. There's nothing too cheeky. But you think, you know, these kids could make an honest go of it. And then um, this jock, you know, this forlorn figure who's been kicked out of the house of Tim the Toolman Taylor because his dad's had to go to prison That's for right. being a snitch on a cocaine shipment. Uh, he's, Tim Jr. You know, he's, will call him. He's got a tough home life. Tim, Tim Jr. struts over and he's like, you fucking, you know, I will say one of another, another one of the parts of this movie that I think is aged slightly more poorly is um, women do play the role of trophies in this film, you know. It is crazy how little autonomy is afforded to women in this film. And when they get it, they, they trade it away instantly yeah, to a yeah. dude for something. Yeah. So it's important to know that in, in, in this movie, and you know, I hasten to add, filmed in 2006, yes, but set at some point between 2017 <laughs> that and 21. that long ago. We'll call it <laughs> set in 2019. It is important that women do not have agency. And so he comes over and he's, you know, he doesn't talk to his girlfriend. He doesn't really, who's done nothing wrong. He goes, basically, fuck you and your dog shit redneck car. And uh, Sean is sort of like, hey, man, whatever, you know, I'm just going to go. And he gets in his car and drives away. And then Tim Jr. throws a baseball through the, the rear windshield. And then obviously it's all on. And they're like, let's race. And Sean's like, I want your car, Tim Jr. And he's like, well, I don't want your piece of shit. Well, no, if- no, no, no. They don't- yeah, sorry. They do say let's race. And he's like, I don't want your piece of shit car. What am I racing for? And then <laughs> out of nowhere, and I still don't quite understand how this means that Sean has anything on the line because 
he can't he doesn't stand to lose his car and then the, his girlfriend who sort of you know just by existing is responsible for this whole situation says tim jr's girlfriend i hasten yeah, to add for clarity says, me you can race for me and both the boys you know they're licking their lips. They're thinking, this is great. This is really good cinema. We have to do this. So I they wrote go, down. Yeah. Uh, my note is, um, cars are penises in this film, and penises are everything. Fucking A, dude. That's beautiful. So they go to an abandoned property lot. I think it's where the Bluth family were developing their houses, and uh, the race takes place there. So uh, they go on this crazy race. Tim Jr.'s got his prize girlfriend in the passenger seat of the car and he's driving very recklessly and Sean will do anything to win and they're racing and racing and uh, Tim Jr. starts trying to run him off the road and Sean just runs the car through like a model home that's been constructed just through all of the structural wood at the bottom, does a sick-ass jump onto the race Oscar's course. in the roof. Spins out, the you know, wins the race, uh, but both cars have devastating crashes and uh, all parties are reprimanded and taken to a police, I guess, what do you call it, building. And then Tim Jr. and his girlfriend, they got rich parents, they're chill. But the, the police officer who's arrested, Sean, is like, you're poor. And you've done something like this before. You're in big trouble. Basically, you're going to go to he jail. Leans, he leans right up to his face and he says, I love getting scrubs like you. Mm. And I looked at the screen which was my phone, and I thought to myself, these guys going to fuck? Because this is a lot of sexual tension on screen. Yeah. And uh, they don't. That we see, you know, in the same way that we don't know whether or not Emily Radzikowski and Zac Efron had sex and We Are Your Friends. There's an insinuation they might have. Uh, mm. And basically to solve the problem of this, like, young, juvenile, delinquent, borderline adult who's sort of on the precipice of a, a lifetime in, a, in prison, we think, he gets sent to his dad, who's a naval officer living in Tokyo. And that's his... Well, briefly, there's a moment where it seems like Tim Jr.'s mum is going to have sex with the cop to get him out of trouble. Um, but they don't kind of fully say that that's what happened, but they kind of set that up as, as if it's about to. And then, confusingly, he says, because we learn that this mum and the son have been moving around a lot. He keeps getting himself in trouble with cars. He keeps having to move city, maybe even state. That bit isn't explicit. And he says to his mum when they get out of the cop shop with the interview with the cop, who I thought was going to have sex with him. Uh, and he says to his mum, where are we moving to next? And she says, we're not moving anywhere. Cut to, he's in Tokyo, Japan. Yeah. It's what a the pretty- fuck? It's a pretty sick punishment for nearly killing like probably up to 40 kids and like totaling yeah. a car and a real estate development. Uh, you have to go and live with your hard ass naval officer dad in a little apartment in Tokyo. It's also they make a real point of the fact that his dad is screwing some, some uh, broad. When he arrives, his dad's like, oh, you're here? And he knew he was coming too. He's like, you're here already? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, hold on a second. This is so not necessary for the movie. And then he he throws, or not throws, but sort of ushers some um, young... I think she's a sex worker, right? Uh, The insinuation did feel to be that way. Yeah, a little bit. 
and you're sort of watching it and you're like, this doesn't feel like it's adding any essential information to what we're about to see. <laughs> and oh, then come on, man. This is just the tone of the film. But then, so that's your setup. Shit happening that's, all the time. that's your setup. And then Sean's in yeah. Japan. His dad says, no cars. You go to school. You come home. And Sean just outright ignores him. And uh, Sean goes to school, doesn't speak a lick of Japanese. It's not really introduced as a problem to be solved. Uh, because conveniently for us, the English-speaking audience, and Sean, the English-speaking man in Japan, everyone chooses to spend the rest of the movie speaking English. And Well, yes and no. Most of the time, yes. Like 90% of all the conversations happen in English, but... Um, listen, I torrented the film. Fucking come find me, Universal Studios. Do do what you will. Uh, I've I've had a, a bloody long day uh, of it, so uh, you what, come and find me, geez. Uh, to, to, here's to to allay any of the the you know lawyers from Universal being sicked on Tim. I bought this twice, not because I wanted to. I bought it once on Apple TV, but I could not watch it on my computer because apparently. My Apple TV account's been authorized on five different pieces of technology, including your TV. So for future reference, Tim, there's a legal version of Tokyo Drift available to watch on the Apple TV at your house that my account is currently logged into. Doesn't and, it just flick one of them off? I don't know what was happening, but then I had to buy it again it on YouTube. So um, <laughs> the good news is we're actually, our hands are clean. We have... Legally Mate, bought the movie twice. I just want to hit pause on the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift conversation to say, I'm calling it, what's today? It's, uh, I don't usually do this, but Sunday. look, time of recording, it's the 26th of November, 2023. We're back in the piracy era, guys. They've, they fucking had their chance, okay? They've made quite a lot of money for a few years off us all. We've all had our fun. Shit worked on the tally for a little while, but it is too dispersed. Everyone's racking up the price too much. And Apple, one of the most highly capitalized corporations on planet Earth, is pulling this kind of shit to my boy Monty, who's just trying to enjoy 90 minutes of objectifying women and uh, stereotyping Drifting. Japanese people. I mean, come on. Yeah, you had your cake and you were eating it too, but you did it for too long. And now, guess what? I declare we are back in the okay. era of piracy once again. Right. Torrents are back on the menu, boys. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, Tim, you know I'm a huge advocate for hiring an objective, professional, licensed professional to tell my problems to, so that when they tell me what they think, I know I'm getting it straight. That's where BetterHelp comes in. That's right. BetterHelp have a big pile of professionals to talk to at your convenience online. You've done a bit of therapy, right, Guy? I started doing therapy during, uh, there was a pandemic, I don't know if you remember, and the benefits were immediate and long-lasting. They help give you skills that you can use when you are in stressful or anxious situations. Honestly, it's changed my life for the better. I guess that's why they call it BetterHelp. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash all time today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash all time. I wish you'd told me 32 New Zealand dollars ago. Uh, but so anyway, I can't actually even remember what we were talking about before we got into the Where particulars. Where you're up to in the movie? We're in Japan now. His oh, dad's yeah. there. He's, yeah, that, this, oh, that's right. So I, you can turn subtitles on when you, when you buy it. He goes to school and he becomes friends with Bow oh, Wow. Yeah. Sorry, that's why I interrupted because I did not have any subtitles at all. But so some you, were supered on the screen, but not often. Yeah, yeah. Anyway... He goes with Bow Wow to this quite cool, like, uh, car culture takes place in sort of car park buildings, it appears, in this part of Tokyo. And the main style of driving, from whence the title comes, is drifting. And, uh, you know, we've got American muscle learning a totally different style of driving. And it felt, I don't know a lot about cars or, you know, the accuracy of the representation of car culture in these films, but it felt kind of like... I liked it. I liked that he had to learn how to drift. I liked that first race between him and DK, who's like the the, the arch nemesis. He sort of plays the antagonist for the movie. Um, and he spends a lot of the movie befriending Han and learning how to drift. And that's sort of, that's your movie, he, really. And the fit, there was a pretty good summation. There's also the Kazuya get, uh, sorry, the Yakuza get involved because the antagonist, DK, <laughs> whose actual name is Takashi, but they're like, people going to this movie aren't going to remember a Japanese name. So we've got to call him DK. Um, so his uncle is a Yakuza warlord uh, and a really weird hat. Let me say that. He, yeah. he looks like a pimp. Yeah. Um, but the hat, I was like, it's a pretty bold choice. I don't know. Do Yakuza's dress like that? I don't know. Don't know. I think about. one of the great things about being anyone with influence and power is don't you just get to dress how you want? Don't you get to wear the yeah. don't you get you get wear the daftest fucking hat anyone's seen in their life? And if anyone looks twice at your hat, you go, "What the fuck are you looking at?" You know, like yeah. isn't that one of the joys? Is you just get to wear real goofy shit? And if anyone looks twice, you're like, "You better not be looking at this goofy shirt I'm wearing." Because this is my killing shirt. And you go, no, not the one with Goofy. <laughs> Takashi's uncle is the Yakuza dude. And Takashi's grandma took in Mila, who was the love interest for 
90% of this film mm. that Sean is trying to win over. So they're kind of like, in some ways, non-blood relatives, but also they fucking, they're a couple. And um, it is kind of the whole source of tension through most of the film is that Sean's making moves on Mila. Mila is owned uh, by Takashi, and Takashi's yeah. not happy about the it's, what's going on. And as we talk about it now, I'm realizing like all of the plot, all of the story, none of it is necessarily canon in the Fast and Furious universe. Like Sung Kang, who's the, who plays Han, is so spectacular and dazzles so bright in this feature film debut in the Fast and Furious franchise that Justin Lin, Vin Diesel, like all of the behind the scenes people labored tirelessly to facilitate his introduction, reintegration and revival just so that they could have several more bites of the Han apple. Like it's, you know, I, I, it's like seeing color and the wizard of Oz for the first time. Like that's the impact that his appearance in this movie has. It's, It's like, you know, I don't take these movies too seriously, but when Han is delivering that speech, looking over the, the rooftop soccer field, you know, looking over all of Tokyo and he's saying, this is my Mexico. He's saying, he's saying like, I, you know, I, I trust in character I need around me. You know, you choose who to be around you and then that lets you know who you are. He's really like, and they're pretty hokey lines, but there's something in his delivery and like it, he is the, he's the, um, he's the core, he's the essence of this movie and sort of carrying, I guess, the, the, the notion of family and connection that is is uh, sown throughout the entire franchise. I just think it's crazy to show up for like a one-off, basically spin-off version of a franchise film and hit it out of the park so hard that the entire rest of the franchise, their timeline spun out of whack, like everything has shifted because of how you act. That's a good yeah, day they at had, work. They totally had to reorganize the universe around... Um, putting this guy in with the intention of him doing one movie and him just burning so bright. It, it, it must be a real uh, point of pride for Han. What else has he How done? Could it not be? Who, who knows? I don't even know if he's in F10 because we refuse to watch it. You know? It's you funny it. how shit Texas slash Sean slash Lucas Black is at driving. At the start, when he gets to Tokyo and he goes up against Takashi... In the first like mano mano drive right mm. race, I think they call it. I think they call it a race guy. When you yeah. compete using cars uh, yeah. in the medium of speed, yeah, I think that's called a race. And they do a race, and he fucking wrecks Han's car because he's <laughs> he's over in Japan. He doesn't even have a car, and Han, Han just looks at him being all mouthy to Takashi, and he's like, he just throws him his keys. He's like, he's mine. And, yeah. if, and so you're like, oh my god, this guy's this guy's gonna be so good. He's gonna show up, DK. He's gonna be crowned the new Drift King. Which did is you think? Did you tr- did you truly think that was gonna happen? Well, we just saw him drive like a pretty good maniac uh, in the opening scene of the movie where he won the race there. That was. Oh wait, yeah. did he win? Or did they both yeah. just get completely nah, fucked in total? He he wins technically because actually, and that was a kind of funny moment. So they. His car crosses the finish line, the other car doesn't. And he spins like, his car spins like, you know, 10 times or whatever. And he's, everyone's pretty bloodied up. Like the girlfriend and Tim Jr. are both, they've been punched in the face by the airbags. And, uh, you know, Sean's got 
blood across all of his teeth and they're all being held in the police um, foyer or whatever. And he's won. So technically he's won the race. And technically the bounty is his. And he looks at uh, the, you know, the girlfriend and he, he smiles with all the blood in his teeth and he winks as if to say, <laughs> pretty good, right? <laughs> I, I did like it. I did like it. So there, that I mean, I was set up with the expectation we're going to get uh, treated to another one of those, but instead he just fucking wrecks this car around every single corner. We know it's Hans. We know it's not his car, and it's real damage. Like there is a um, filmic quality to this to this movie, which I mean in the very literal sense, and that it looks really beautiful. It looks like thirty five millimeter film as opposed to the you know, digital recording that we're so used to nowadays. And I really, I do think there is something to that. You know, it adds a, when it comes to stunts and like wasting a car and metal scraping against a concrete wall, there is something added by the fact that it's not digital. It's not that Mm. hyper clean look where it's like, I don't quite know if this was made on a really good camera or a really good computer. It's like, nah, this is an old film camera and that car got fucking wrecked for yeah. real and it's, it's, I guess it says a lot about the character that it's like he's losing this race so badly and he's destroying this car so hard but at no point does he lick his wounds and just start driving the car up the car park quickly but normally he's like yeah, he is trying to do something he cannot do at full pace at every single corner and it's um, it's a richer race for it and a richer movie for it we keep talking about how good the guy portraying Han is, but the character as well is like such a cool character because the whole this, this guy's being absolutely fucking demoed by one man just trying to negotiate negotiate his way up a ramp, and he's just he, he's cool as a cucumber, just putting another chip in his mouth, emotionless. Yeah. It's he's, all unfolding. He's he's eating. He's like he he bursts onto the screen eating, and it's you know it's the same harm we know and love from. I, I mean, now I'm now I'm gonna get myself in knots again. Now I'm trying to visualize. Man, I tell you what. <laughs> what revelation ha- has just occurred to you, guy? Well, like when they revive Han and Fast Nine. That's connecting for me the way it must. The, that I'm now like experiencing what I imagine were the many audible gasps in the room of like in the like Han. Because they kill the shit out of him. They kill him more than they kill Letty in the next movie, you know. They they really kill yeah. him. Like, they show him at the bottom of a wreckage. And then you're like, damn, that's going to be tough to survive. And then they blow up the car. And you're like, yeah. that guy's dead. And then you're telling me, you know, seven movies later, after he's still been in these other movies, fuck, oh, I can't think but about this stuff that, too but- long. I know it is difficult, isn't it? Because then you've got the situation where the real Fast and Furious fans are like, "So we ki- we killed him in Tokyo Drift, but you know, chron- uh, hmm, how do you describe it? The next film that came out in real life, you know, we get him a bunch of times, but then we get up to the point in the timeline where he's supposed to be dead, and then he comes back. Like it doesn't. Well, he's actually dead. Yeah, it doesn't have the same. Uh, 
moment of surprise that a film would have that's just going in linear time where you kill a guy and then bring him back later in the franchise. Yeah, yeah. This is like, we kill a guy, the franchise keeps going, but that's all set backwards. But then we got to the point of movie three when we got to eight and whoa, he's in eight. It's like, well, I did just see him in seven, but I acknowledge that that was in the before. To like, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's cool that he's back, but it doesn't quite have the same punch as like a normal franchise. But I get, you know, like it's, it's, uh, uh, yes, exactly. But also what a nice trick to be like, you know, to, you go to the cinema and you're like, ah, oh, it's a shame Han's not going to be in this one. This is, do you know what? This is how good Han is and the actor portraying him is that even after having six more bites at the apple, they still couldn't relinquish having yeah. this guy in the movies, you know, even That's at right. that point they were like, we can't get rid of him. He's too good. And also, like, think about the reason that they revive him, aside from the fact he's good for the franchise, the reason inside of the storyline of the movie they revive him is Mr. Nobody's like, I had to revive him to protect this young girl who's the biological key to, uh, like, a oh, yeah. EMD or something that John Cena's after. So it's like the reason that they have for him surviving in the franchise is, like, he had to raise an orphan who is the biological key to, like, a... Uh, it's oh God Almighty. You know, you think this is the thing with a was. Oh, wait, no, this is the on. thing with a was gidge, Tim. <laughs> you think you know what you're solving for, and then you look at it again, and you think, I don't actually know what this is. It wasn't an EMP. It was two halves of a thing that you put it together, and then it takes over all technology. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> and they had to, and Mister Nobody had to secretly keep Han alive to protect her. From John Cena. By the way, you know, this will rubber stamp the, the episode a little bit. Um, but John Cena, I don't know how I came across it. On his Instagram, he just posted a photo of the comedian Shane Gillis with the caption, Stone Cold Shane Gillis, in no further context. And I was trying <laughs> to get to the bottom of it. But, you know, there's certain pockets of the internet that you just can't get your head around. And I was like, well, I guess that's just a funny thing he's done. Very odd. We lie in wait to figure out what's going but on But do you know, do you know what? Sa- oh, you go. I was going to say the soundtrack in this movie is fucking phenomenal. Goes Built hard. for us. Goes real hard. Honestly, another highlight of the film. The soundtrack, the, um, the straightforwardness of story, the introduction of Han... The kind of enjoyment of watching an actor who's given this big opportunity be slightly out of his element. Like, it's funny to, with movies. It's funny to think, I guess, like, everyone's taking a risk. And you cast people. And it's not that his performance is bad. It's just, like, it's difficult for his his level of charisma to carry a whole, you know. He's a great yeah. supplementary character. But it's difficult for someone to carry a movie. But I'm the soundtrack the is part of what made it fantastic. Oh, there is. Okay, the I mean, album isn't on Spotify, but I'll find it. I'll try and get a playlist here. Tokyo Drift playlist. Well, I can tell you some of the we're lyrics. Talking DJ Shadow and Moz Def. Uh, we're talking. By the way, Kanye, Akon. That that DJ Shadow and Moz. That DJ Shadow and Moz Def song. They play mm. again. That I've singled out in this season of the podcast. They play it again in a later movie. Like you, where, themes are emerging. It's six days. It's a, it's a DJ it's a DJ Shadow remix of a Moz Def track. Um, I did also, actually write down in my notes that this was the most tasteful use of the Fast and Furious musical motif. 
because there's a little bit of string kind of orchestral uh you know a movement if you will that comes through in this one which we hear in all the subsequent ones but it's never sounded quite so nice yeah. and it's as nice. it does in tokyo drift there's also that like dom toretto's you know it's like hearing um john cena's music where you're like I, I swear to god there's dom toretto's music that like sort of uh it's called bandoleros that guitar comes in do and you're like, oh, yeah. oh shit! Here, he, you know, it's like he's he's entering the arena, and he gives a it's a yeah. lovely like that. I also researched the production, so that uh, cameo from Vin at the end. First of all, he came in after positive test greetings to be like, okay, this isn't a total turd. I can I can show face. Uh, crack up. Second of all, he negotiated the rights. As part of the like the appearance fee of of giving his cameo to this film, he negotiated for the rights to Riddick, like the, to to release the rights of Riddick, Holy and so he shit. he then got to go away and make Riddick how he wanted. That didn't turn out well box office wise, but that is a bit of a cult classic. It's it's just like it's such a um. I, I had no idea the sort of tapestry we were unfurling at the start of the season in terms of like how I, it's it's just going backwards is just unlocked all of... I feel like every time I think about Vin Diesel, Fast and the Furious, just anything affiliated with this project, I feel like I have 5,000 tabs open in my brain and I, I cannot yeah. retain information and a lot of the tabs to close them, it's grayed out. Like if I, I try to hit X and the tab just stays open, you know? Yeah. And I'm telling you, Chrome and you've only got eight gig of RAM, my man. I'm afraid. Exactly. And but do you know what? Like it's I, I feel I feel grateful to be, you know, at this part of the franchise and to be kind of um I, I, I do feel like we're approaching closure and I'm excited. Like we're you know, we're doing a live screening for the first Fast and the Furious movie. Like we're actually, we're in the cinema, it's on the big screen, we're watching it for the first time. It honestly feels like the culmination of a lot of research, like a big research project. It's at the <laughs> yeah. Hollywood and Avondale. This and is our PhD dissertation. After exactly. four long years on one tiny fraction of a subject, we are here ready to discuss our findings and defend ourselves in front of you. And that's, you know, that's on December. I just want everyone in Auckland to know that's on December 15th at the Hollywood Avondale. You can buy a ticket. And, and it's also the gonna, internet and because it's, it's going to be live streamed. Exactly. It's going to be live streamed. Not the movie. We're not allowed to do that, but you can watch it simultaneously. Then you can watch the podcast afterwards. I just think... Torrent the movie. We're back in the piracy era. Okay, I'm not so sure about that, but but I just there's, there's an energy entering my body as um we we you know accelerate towards the the finish line of this quarter mile, and I, I um Tokyo Drift's done something for me that the fourth Fast and the Furious didn't. That's which really is actually, cool, man. Which is actually the third Fast and the Furious. We you and I we've got to get together. We've got to watch uh, Los Bandole Bandoleros. Which is of yeah, course ba Bandoleros is Dom Dom Trudeau's theme music. Los Bandoleros is the um, straight to DVD at the time sort of uh, short film he made. Which I think I understand in, in Fast and Furious canon is like you know if this is a, a, a central piece to the Wasgidge, this could be described as I guess an even more central piece. 
For the real uh, Matrix heads out there, the final flight of the Osiris of the Fast and Furious universe. Not my best uh, analogy, but, you know, you've got to give it to me. Tim, what was your shining light? You really put me on the spot. Um, Finding out that Mila was Australian blew my fucking mind. Mm. Because not in a million years did I peg that accent as someone's attempt at pretending to be Australian. Mm. And when she started talking about her Australian mother, and then kind of suddenly an Australian twang was introduced just for that little portion of speech. But that, it, um, that, it was fascinating. It was revelatory. And uh, I loved it. That's great. I've got to say, and I sort of shouted Is she out, Aussie? She's, she's Australian. That blows my mind. Australian Peruvian. So there's a few different influences in there. But um, for me, and I, I spoke about the teriyaki boys in the last episode, spoke about the, the theme song, uh, Tokyo Drift. But I don't even know what instrument it is. Don't, don't, don't. It's that when I hear the, the clang of some sort of... It's, it's like, like a ele- cowbell. It's like an electronic cowbell, eh? It's like, yeah, I will call it an e-cowbell. When I hear the e-cowbell coming in, and then the chorus girls singing, I wonder if you know how they live in Tokyo. If you've seen it, then you mean it. Then you know you have to go. And then I've never known. I, I thought they were saying, I say fire. Drift, drift. They're saying Fast and the Furious. So they're saying Fast and the Furious. Are they? Drift, drift. I had to know, I heard it. I was transported back to my first year of university, Cumberland House on Willis Street, sixth floor. John Nalon just blasting the song at all hours, any opportunity. It was crazy how transportative it was. And um, shout out to that memory. Shout out to my teriyaki boys. Shout out to John. Shout out to Justin Lin. He's, I don't know. Did he do the second movie? I don't know. But I'm going to say yes, he did. Could I end um, maybe the episode first like we're ending on a second shining light for me? And I will, I think, in the next movie, get to the um, five cars I'd fuck from this film. All right. Um, I'm going to, because what I loved about this is I thought the proverb was done at the start, and then it kept going for about five more lines. And the proverb I will attempt to remember now from uh, DK's uncle, who is the Yakuza warlord, For want of a nail, you lose a horseshoe. For want of a horseshoe, you lose a horse. A steed. For want of a steed, the message doesn't get through. When the message doesn't get through, a war is lost. I think you did pretty well, dude. I, I It wasn't perfect, but that's the shape of it. And at this, it was like, for want of a nail, a horseshoe is lost. I was like... Man, that's a crazy Japanese saying. I wonder what that is about. Because there's a pretty yeah. big gap. And then it kept going. And then by the end, I was like, I get it. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. It was up top. It's pretty was, lengthy for a proverb. Yeah, yeah. Up top, I was like, this is a shit proverb. <laughs> you know, like, and then they keep going. I was like, oh, okay. You know, power to you. Yeah. I'm giving, what are you giving this movie? Uh, 
out of a possible 11 floors of the car park that we're drifting okay. our way down. I'll give it I give it uh 10 unblemished drifts around the corner, 10 perfect corners and uh and it's like a, a you know you, you get nicked up a little bit on the 11th, but you still you emerge oh victorious God. and everyone's celebrating. That's incredibly high marks. I'm taking points off solely for the first 10% of the movie when we were in America at that high school. Hated all of that. Hated that it. whole bit. I love it. I can't, <laughs> wait to, I can't wait to watch it with you. I'll point out why it's you were crazy. wrong. Promise okay, you. Right on. And I'm therefore going to give this movie 8 out of 11 car park floors. That's a good movie. I, I'm, I, I um, you know, it's, it's a funny one. It's a funny film. It's not like traditionally ha ha funny, but like just how it fits in with everything. I just you know, it's a funny it's a funny way to do a jigsaw puzzle because you know you can buy puzzles where the the picture on the box is the thing you're solving. That's not us, man. Not us. No way. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.